Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted and privileged to welcome a very, very decorated soldier from the Indian Army, currently from in Gurgaon, India, Lieutenant General A.B. Shivani. General Shivani, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, General Shivani was the former Director General Mechanized Forces of the Indian Army. He is a PVSM, AVSM and VSM. Those of you who don't know this, uh, these are all given by the President of India. Uh, General Shivani led the UN Peacekeeping Force and the Anti-Terrorist Operations in Jammu and Kashmir. He's the author of several books and I'm told over 100 papers. And he has been recognized, awarded, and felicitated several times. And I must also add, he just mentioned that he's also been recognized for the amazing work that he did during the COVID pandemic. So General, what after such an amazing career, I'm going to ask you a few questions, take you back uh, to the time you were in the military academy and say from a young cadet to a three-star general, what did you do right in this journey to the top? Oh. Uh- you know, this uh, amazing journey uh, called Forge uh, uh, Army, as I said, I yes. think I've been blessed uh, to be born in an army family and to travel my lifetime mm-hmm. in the army because I do believe once a soldier, a soldier for life. Right. And uh, as I grew up from a kid, uh, I grew up into a system which taught us values of life, mm-hmm. Uh, spirit of love for the tricolor, for the country, mm-hmm. care for the soldiers. I remember uh, my father's World War II veteran. Mm-hmm. They couldn't pronounce his name as Shivane, so he was called Shivin okay. by the Brits. Mm-hmm. And he had served with General Slim in the Burma campaign, including in his headquarters. Mm-hmm. And uh, we... Uh, he fought even post-independent several wars. Mm. And I remember going with my mother to the hospital to take care of the soldiers and bring back the smiles to the war wounded. Mm-hmm. I think the, a larger message was, uh, you know, how, how do you remain positive and pass on happiness? Correct. Also, uh, we, he, uh, the family taught us how to overcome adversity. Mm-hmm. My father was for three months, uh, uh, you know, dead or alive, not known in the 62 operations. Mm-hmm. But uh, here was my mother, a strong lady who kept the positivity on and said, son, he's going to get back. So no need of uh, a long phase. Mm-hmm. And uh, we believed in it and he did. Mm-hmm. I also lost my brother in 1972 on the Chinese border in Sikkim, Nathala. Mm-hmm. And he was a young kid of uh, 21 years, barely 21. So uh, what I'm trying to highlight is that uh, overcoming adversity and looking beyond was one value it taught us. And that's, okay. that's something which uh, I think I uh, value always mm-hmm. when I grew up. Now, coming to your question about right and what probably I did, I, 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 I would uh, you know, put it in another way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would introspect and say what right I did and what better could I have done. Mm-hmm. You know, because I do believe, yes, there were times when I did fail, and I say it with pride because mm-hmm. it taught me how to stand tall thereafter. It taught mm-hmm. me a lot of value. So 
besides hard work, I think failure is also a pillar to success. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, there were there were two things that come to my mind when I talk of my mm-hmm. uh, where I could have done better or where I did as good as possible. Mm-hmm. There was uh, one which my dad told me. He said, "Son." Uh, reaching higher ranks in the army as you grow is not so important mm. as the respect that you will command for life. Well said. Mm. And second, my, when I was passing out from my IMA, my uh, instructor, my directing staff, uh, uh, that time Captain Madan, uh, told me, he says, look, uh, you're going to have an amazing journey mm-hmm. uh, hereafter, but your best friend is going to be a pillow. Okay. So at night, when you put your head there and you ask that guy, how did I do? He will never lie and listen to him. Mm. So I think these were things which uh, remained in our mind. And I got into a habit of introspection uh, of what I did and could I have done better mm. and how do I improve uh, things. Mm-hmm. So therefore, this learning and challenges of life became synonymous, you know. Mm-hmm. It went down from uh, unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence mm-hmm. to conscious competence and then unconscious competence as you grew up. So, so there was this, uh, the challenge was different. You know, when you're young, mm-hmm. uh, as a kid, it's a, it's a challenge of uh, physical challenge. Uh, running that 10 kilometers with another 10 kgs on your back. Mm. And, uh, uh, you know, after some time, you lose count that are you physically tired or yeah, it's more a mental issue. Mm. Looking at a sm- pool, uh, swimming pool from a 10-meter board, it looks so small. So you mm. always thought you were going to fall aside. Mm-hmm. But when you jump, you always landed, right? So there were the sort of challenges mm. which were mental. Mm. But as you grew up, like you spoke of uh, uh, heading the uh, agriculturism cell as a, as a lefty colonel, Mm-hmm. Uh, in JNK. Mm-hmm. But that challenge was different. That challenge was about consciousness of the decisions you took mm-hmm. every every minute mm-hmm. and seeing the results every, uh, mm-hmm. thereafter. Mm-hmm. So it was not waiting for results. It happened. So you re- realize that's a wrong decision, that's a right decision. And those decisions related to lives. Mm-hmm. So you had, it, it made, it matured you tremendously in life and mm-hmm. taught you Mm. What 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 life is all about uh, uh, in many aspects, and mm. I won't go into the details. Right. And as I became a director general, mechanized forces. Then the challenge was, how do I, uh, uh, you know, progress in this game of snakes and ladders of procurement and capability building? Correct. Mm. How, how how do I get something for my organization? Mm. How do I get something for the men who are fighting? Mm. and beat the systems of bureaucracy and beat the systems uh, of procedurals. Mm. Mm. So this was the sort of thing that I... Fascinating, uh, fascinating. And yet, sir, you know, every time I've spoken to a senior uh, uh, army person like you, uh, I've often wondered, you know, one about leadership. One is, of course, the hierarchical authority that you have. But I also find that there's a very strong bond that uh, all you senior people develop with the people down the line. I'd love to get your perspective on what has been your leadership style. Uh, very frankly, I think uh, uh, I was taught very early in mm-hmm. life 
mm-hmm. that uh, the value of five Cs, mm-hmm. character, competence, commitment, uh, 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 compassion, and camaraderie. Right. And when I talk of commitment, it is also related to courage, mm-hmm. moral courage and physical courage. Yep. So these are things which I remain very conscious of. And therefore, I worked hard. I played hard with my men mm-hmm. on the field, rubbing shoulders, mm-hmm. pushing each other. And I partied hard too. Mm-hmm. So there was the most important thing, I think, of a leader mm-hmm. is to establish that mutual trust and bonding. Because unlike any other organization, business organization, we go management. Mm-hmm. Here you have to lead men knowing fully that there may be fewer when you get back. Mm-hmm. So you leading men into battle is a different ballgame, and therefore you have to lead by example. One. Mm-hmm. Two, as you lead, you have to create more leaders in the journey. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the art of leadership. Mm-hmm. And for that, you have to be a man. Uh, of steel, not a man of straw. You got to have a straight backbone. You got to have broad shoulders, mm-hmm. and you got to have a large heart. Wonderful. So that that is something I think uh, very essential for a leadership, particularly a leader in battle. Mm. Very interesting. So your response gives me a segue to my next question, sir, which is uh, that it is often said, and I've heard this not not just here but in, uh, outside India as well that a Chinese soldier fights for his party, a Pakistani soldier fights for his religion, and an Indian soldier fights for his mother, motherland. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Yes. Uh, as a soldier, I respect all soldiers across the world, Absolutely. In, including the enemy that I fight with, because he's a soldier too. Yes. That we have our duties towards our nation. Some have duties towards the nation, some have duties towards the political parties which are driving the nation, and some have uh, religious uh, uh, sentiments which are deriving to that. Correct. When you talk of the Indian soldier, mm-hmm. I think an Indian soldier imbibes a few qualities. Mm-hmm. And the first quality is about loyalty, to, to not loyalty to the nation. Mm-hmm. Nation above all, you know. In Chetwood, we 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 were told what what the priorities have to be. It has to be the nation, then your organization. You always last, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, Indian soldier in 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 Indian terms believes in Nam Namak or Nishan. Mm-hmm. Nam is the name that I carry for my. Unit, mm-hmm. Namak, the loyalty that I have, and Nishan is the flag of the country, of my organization, that can never fall. So this Nam, Namak, Nishan is, is a deep ingredient mm-hmm. into the DNA of the Indian soldier. Right. Similarly, you have Imandari, Vafadari, Ekta, yeah. uh, which is honesty, loyalty, and camaraderie. Mm-hmm. I think these qualify uh, the Indian soldier. Mm. And I would very clearly say the flag of our country does not flutter because of the winds. Mm. Uh, it flutters because of the last breath of the soldier mm. who sacrificed his life protecting him. That's so right. I look at uh, soldiering there. Uh, different nations have different priorities, but I'm 
a proud soldier of the Indian Army. And I think uh, we are among the best, if not certainly the best, mm. with the best of men that we have had the fortune of leading. Very interesting. So, so moving on now, let's talk a little bit about technology. You know, uh, as the director general, former director general, mechanized forces. You know, you must have seen technology evolving a lot uh, in the army. How have you seen the technology change uh, in the army and the defense services over the last, uh, you know, three and a half, four decades? Well, uh, I think while. Uh... We talk of revolution in military affairs mm. uh, caused by uh, the industrial revolutions, and we're talking of industrial revolution 4.0 mm. now. But actually, technology brought in a, a disruption in military affairs. Mm -hmm. it, it, it changed warfare completely mm -hmm. because war has an enduring and eternal nature. Right. But its character is evolving and dynamic. Mm. And how does that evolve uh, and how does it become dynamic? It's because of the new actor, new domains which come up and the technology progression that changes the length and breadth and magnitude and the spectrum of the, uh, 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 of the battle mm. space. No more called battlefield, just battle right. space. Right. And uh, therefore you have gone from, you know, uh, four traditional domains to six or seven domains, uh, cyber, space, mm. information domain. Mm. So what has really changed when I've seen, and I'll be very candid about it. You know, when I, when I saw, when I used to navigate as mm. a young officer in 1978, 79, mm. I, we had astral navigation. At night, we used to look at the stars and say, yeah. there's a North Star with South Bar, mm. and then put uh, John in, and then lead up troops into a direction. Mm. How mm -hmm. we had a magnetic compass that we used to put on ground and away from the thing and align that. And today you're talking of GPS. You name it, destination points, uh, your start point. And yep. I mean, you say it, it's, it's a different thing. Mm -hmm. The greatest challenge at our time was going the right direction because now direction doesn't matter. You, 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 you are guided to the right direction. Similarly, communications. I mean, we had radio sets, we had telephones where we would dial and book a trunk call. And today you've got mobile connectivity, you've got satellite communication, or you can sit in Seattle, you've got a satellite phone, collect up and you can speak and give mm. real-time messages. Similarly, surveillance, we were looking through binoculars to line of sight. Now you, look, now you can look, uh, you know, miles and miles apart okay. through the satellite and beyond mm. the horizon. Mm. Uh, and uh, not only look, but they even bring down uh, fire and uh, uh, effect there. So, so things have changed. Mm. And therefore, it's very important for the army to adapt itself to the changes, to transform with times, mm -hmm. bring in technologies like artificial intelligence, cyber, unmanned aerial systems, mm. uh, drones, big data analysis, Internet of Things. I think there's plenty of scope in all these which mm. have to be harnessed. Mm. Uh, and, and therefore, uh, investing in R&D of defense technology, mm. or R which, which also has an offshoot in the civil uh, technology mm. also today, 
because everything is uh, has an offshoot. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, uh, we are going on the right path when we started now, mm -hmm. maybe a little late, but realizing the importance of R&D and you've seen the defense budget, mm -hmm. a little more focus has been given to this uh, area. So right. things have evolved, mm -hmm. things have come for the better, and therefore the leadership and the organization has to keep pace and manage change before change manages you. Fascinating, fascinating. And yet, if you look at it, and you just uh, you know spoke about it a few minutes ago, about what's happening in space and cyberspace, what, in your opinion, will be the war of the future? Well, uh, it's war of the future. I, first is to define what war is. Today, there is, <laughs> yes. there is, uh, there, there's a diffusion in war and peace. Correct. I mean, it, with these domains coming up of cyber, artificial intelligence, I mean, war is on throughout. Mm. The difficult part is how do you ensure total peace? Correct. Is there a concept of total peace? Mm. And even victories in war today are shaped by narratives and perceptions mm. of information warfare and impacting victory. So both the definition of war and the notion of victory has become ambiguous today. Mm. You, you may not fire a shot, but you may be at war. Mm. And therefore, use of political warfare mm -hmm. involving more capabilities, whether it's political, whether it's economic, whether it's diplomatic, or whether it is limited military coercion by build-up, like you've seen on the mm. uh, Ukrainian border that has yeah. happened. Mm. Leading to strategic coercion is the new means mm. to achieve the ends. Mm. So war has changed, but what is important? I mean, the the war definition has changed, but mm. nature remains the same. So therefore, it's very important to build up on both kinetic and non-kinetic capabilities. Mm. Mm. And to be able to look at warfare beyond the battle space, mm -hmm. because war today is in societies, it's in people, and requires a whole of nation approach. Mm -hmm. Second thing that I want to mention is, repeatedly we have seen mm -hmm. that nations go to war, but don't have an exit policy. Correct. Don't have uh, when to get out and what have they achieved. Mm -hmm. So going to war or initiating Mm -hmm. uh, what what war is going to be, whether silent or active, mm -hmm. requires a political military understanding mm -hmm. of envisioning whether your what are your political aims mm -hmm. and how are you going to achieve them, and the cost benefit analysis of that becomes very very critical. Very interesting. Very very interesting. So moving on, sir, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about China. You know, you've served in JNK and uh, you know, and you also served in the UNP. So you've led your UN peacekeeping forces. Uh, from our perspective as Indians, what are the challenges China represents for us? Uh, before I go to China, mm -hmm. I want to highlight three or four points of okay. the geopolitical flux that is taking place today. Okay. Because... China, Russia, US, mm. uh, 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 Indo-Pacific, mm. uh, Euro-Atlantic, all fit into that. Mm. First is the uh, power to, in, to expand your influence mm. is, is, is becoming uh, something which is leading from 
competition to confrontation. Mm -hmm. And you've seen the decline in US power status and the retrenchment that has taken place. Correct. Both economic, uh, standing in the global community, mm. uh, whether it's post-Afghanistan or uh, in the Indo-Pacific against China, mm. the, the, or even in the NATO. So there is a decline in the US global power. So mm. a, a decline in a single power status mm. and multiple centers of influence coming up. Two is the China's rise and global realignments that are that it has come up, mm -hmm. both from uh, in the Indo-Pacific as well as China's realignment and getting closer to Pakistan and Russia in the inner circle, mm -hmm. their outer circle uh, getting close to let's say Iran, mm -hmm. and then outer circle getting close to South Africa, Venezuela. So it's mm -hmm. expanding both economically, BRI and an influence of its political system. Right. And right. there is an upheaval in Europe. Correct. Which is, everyone is looking inward mm. because the euro is in crisis mm. and euro is, is supported from outside. So if something happens, euro, uh, Ukraine, euro is impacted. So there's, so there's an upheaval in here. Mm. And then there is a turmoil in the Islamic world, Absolutely. which is sustained counterpart. Mm. Now coming to your question, uh, China. Mm. To understand China, mm. you have to understand the culture, the mm. Chinese culture, mm. and uh, culture over the uh, period of time. Mm. Its culture is defined by revisionist uh, uh, attitude, opportunist attitude, and expansionist attitude. Correct. And that is ingrained in it because of its Middle Kingdom syndrome that it carries. Mm. And and uh, what it carries deep in its psyche is the humiliation of the century which before independence was declared. Mm. So so when you look at China, you have to look at the ends, ways, and means. What mm. what is the strategic aim? Mm. Its strategic aim is to become world number one power, economic, political, military. And to okay. do that, it 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 must be the sole regional power, mm. sole regional power in in Asia. So that uh, it, it has its call. Mm. And therefore, it wants to dominate the Asian mass mm. and the oceanic frontiers, mm. which have become now both center of gravity of both economic and military confrontation. Correct. So there is, and therefore, it would never want to, to uh, resolve the border dispute mm. because it gives it a leverage to assert its uh, coercion. Mm. Uh, and uh, therefore, uh, stymie uh, by design the rise of India as a regional global power, as mm. a regional power, and coming from a player a spectator to a player in the regional arena. Mm. Mm. So it doesn't want that. It's not in its interest. Therefore, it does what it does, both in economic and as a chair. Though miserably, it, it, it has been challenged, and I would say it has failed in its uh, stage. Mm. Therefore, Revisionism, expansionism, coercion, economic uh, blackmail uh, through BRI are the ways uh, in which it does. And the means are using border and all. Mm. But I think, uh, you know, they miscalculate because uh, they are uh, living in a cocoon mm. of the past. And when they, when, when they came in on the Ladakh border, mm. they were in for a shock. Because it was not the Indian Army of 1962, 
Right. It was an army which was well well prepared. It was an army which which gave them back something mm-hmm. which uh, they even uh, you know do not want to disclose in quantity. The yeah. worst thing you can do mm-hmm. is is not recognize your soldiers who have been uh, who have been killed in battle. I mean mm-hmm. that's the most shameful thing that Pakistan and China repeatedly does. Mm-hmm. So so because it was hit. it does not want its nation to know that uh, the the response was so severe that they never expected it mm. so i think uh, their uh, cost benefit analysis of uh, uh, the salami biting or going you know, border mm. has mis- misfired because the indian army is extremely well prepared motivated trained for any adversity that may come up mm. on any of its frontiers well said well said you know and i was going to ask you this question about 62 you mentioned your father was there my father was also there in the 62 war and for you know not 3 months but i think for about 2 3 2 weeks we had lost touch with him you know but uh, uh, so my my a quick question before i i want to then move to a little bit of pakistan and afghanistan is are we better equipped uh, as an army uh, than we were in 1962 uh, certainly Okay. Certainly, I mean, no comparison of '62 and now. Mm. We we are much better equipped. But uh, uh, along with that, I would say, do we need to quit, uh, equip better for the future? I would also agree yes. to that. Yes, mm. we are certainly very well equipped. But no army can say that we are absolutely well equipped because their budget will always be restrained because budget has to look at. many facets of uh, development of the nation mm. uh, which and unless uh, you are strong you cannot grow as a economy unless you have a strong economy you cannot have a strong defense well so said. there are two sides of the same coin but having said that there is no comparison to 62 mm. uh, 62 was i i i, I would very bluntly put it was matter neglect on defense mm. but today you you have uh, both in terms of infrastructure development mm. both in tra- in terms of capability look there are three things which are important when you talk of preparedness mm-hmm. one is the capability and the capacity that you have in terms of your hardware and training mm. and operation readiness mm. second is the credibility of the political fraternity or the political masters to take a strong decision you know that is the credibility which manifests from your capability application mm. a third is the communication what is it that you communicating to adversary so that he is deterred without fight he knows that the corporate i think capability and credibility is something that we are we have come a long way and done very well what we need to build up is communication information warfare to send a, a more clear and stern message i think that is something on information warfare that and cyber warfare we need to invest more wonderful uh, i've got time for a few more questions sir but i've got to ask you a question on afghanistan and pakistan and then i want to come to your recent uh, recognition as a covid warrior but i want to talk about your perspective on what is happening in afghanistan and the role pakistan is playing in that and uh, pakistan vis-a-vis india as well uh 
Afghanistan, I would say, is a, it, it, it has been a prisoner of geography, mm. uh, of ethnic and tribal rivalries, Correct. and global and regional geopolitics. Mm. Unfortunately, no one has cared for the people of uh, Afghanistan mm. and their development, except nations like India, who have invested heavily in the Correct. development. And uh, we've got over 400 projects in the 34 provinces that mm. exist. Mm. But everyone who has come, whether it was the Soviets, whether it's the Americans mm -hmm. and who, who came in or the Pakistanis who, who gave birth to the Haqqani network and the Taliban's and uh, created chaos, have they left the country in a greater chaos. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and imagine you fight terrorists and you hand over the country mm -hmm. to another group of terrorists and saying that they are good and they are bad terrorists. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this is this is absolutely the matter of fact is that uh, they had to retreat because China was more important. Mm. There were more body bags and they realized that they could not achieve the end state uh, of peace there. So so uh, there is a deeper strategic thing to think. Right. Uh, if you look at Pakistan and India, I think Pakistan's relationship with uh, Afghanistan more was in terms of fears of its geography, mm. of expanding its strategic depth. Mm. And therefore, it built up a, a nation which it wanted to be friendly, oblique, dominant. Mm. And when the Soviets came in with the help of the Western uh, world, it, it, it gave birth to Haqqani network, Madrasa training, and the Taliban. Mm. And they were exported to fight uh, the, the, the Soviets. Mm -hmm. But they forgot the basic rules of proxy war and when you become a fountainhead mm. of terrorism. Because once the, their utility gets over, mm. they boomerang and strike you back twice at heart. Well said. Mm. And that is what is happening today in Tariqa, Taliban, uh, Pakistan. Mm. And what is happening in Baluchistan, which borders Iran and Afghanistan? Mm. So, 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 I think Pakistan got it wrong ever since its birth. Mm. Ever since, because all that it did was for the insecurities that it did. Mm. Whereas India worked on an equation of humanity, uh, looking care of the humanity and development of the nation and building up on their nation. Mm. So the goodwill of the people is with India mm. because they made roads, they made dams, they made yeah. schools, mm. they invested in the people. Mm. No nation was investing in the people. They were all selfish towards their needs. Correct. I, I think there's a huge moral difference between Pakistan and India's, uh, you know, mm. uh, interest. Yes, central, uh, Afghanistan has a geostrategic importance in terms of Central Asian Republic, mm and its own mineral But the first primary thing is, if you don't have the people with you, I'm afraid you will never have the nation with you. Well that, is, that is getting forgotten. Mm. Well said, well said. So my last question to you now, sir, is uh, on your role after you, uh, you know, stepped out of the army and you just mentioned that you played a very significant role as a COVID warrior recognized by international bodies. Tell me about the role you played uh, as a COVID warrior? Uh, very frankly, uh, and in all humbleness, 
I would say it uh, it was a blessing, mm-hmm. and uh, it was inbuilt because uh, uh, once you are a soldier, you are a soldier for life. Correct. So you can be a soldier for healthcare. You can be a soldier for environment. You can be a soldier for the downtrodden people. Mm-hmm. So when this pandemic happened, mm-hmm. uh, there was something in me which kept telling me that. how am i going to help her what am i going to do mm. i tried uh, to do something in that strategic planning mm. with the government of india and with the urban factory board giving my advice and how mm. to do but i did not feel that that sort of satisfaction of able to reach out to the people mm-hmm. and uh, impact uh, mm. so i came across an organization called kranti Mm-hmm. where uh, i joined them and we organize ourselves into structures of ambulance task force plasma task force mm-hmm. uh, hospital task force and we got automated digitally and we would get uh, requests uh, all over the country mm-hmm. and we would activate this task force i was i was a coordinator at the ss room i would coordinate and while a doctor on call was speaking to the person mm. and trying to understand we already had the uh, the ambulance we had the hospital for mm. want mm. with this thing if they required plasma we had catered for that so there was a 360 degrees integration mm. because time was sensitive and we did not know who is whom Mm. some required financial care which we managed to do mm. some required uh, me to speak even at the chief ministerial level mm-hmm. and uh, lesson threaten tell them that look it has to be done right so it was a challenge but it was a blessing and mm. i don't think i i the recognition to the certificate whether from the un on the london book of uh, records or nationally many organizations they they came to know through other people Mm-hmm. but what i count as my blessings and which i keep very closely to my heart are the messages i got from people whom i could help Amazing. four or five people mm-hmm. that i could help on a daily basis over the you know during the second wave for about four yeah. or five months mm-hmm. those those messages of people who don't know me mm-hmm. they who may not know my name also mm-hmm. and whom i don't know but the sort of words the sort of blessings i got that i think my day was made mm. uh, uh in that so i just okay. did what what a human being should do yeah. it's uh, humans for humanity i would say very so well nothing not special uh, anyone would have done it and it just happened i got the opportunity wonderful wonderful so on that note uh, thank you so much for speaking to me i thank you for telling me about the pillow being your best friend i think that i think that's an amazing advice that every young person listening to us should take away when you when your head hits your pillow you should be out like a light and thank you for telling me about the naam namak nishan uh, of an indian soldier i think that's a that actually uh, gives people goosebumps when you talk about these three words thank you for talking to me about your journey as a soldier about technology and how that is beginning to make a change and make a difference for the army thank you for your perspectives of geopolitics in the world as well as how china is uh, beginning to assert itself and how we are ready for it thank you for giving me a perspective on afghanistan and pakistan i wish i had more time to have a much more in depth discussion on that maybe someday i will and finally thank you for all the great work you did for covid 
Thank you and good luck, sir. Thank you so much. It'll be a pleasure to uh, to interact and speak with you. Thank and you. through your medium, I convey my greetings and best wishes world over. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.